Hello, I'm Gary Smith, and I want to welcome you to Psychedelic Alex, The Law of Psychedelics. On today's episode, and actually I'm going to use this intro for a few episodes to be candid, so you might see this more than once, um, but on today's episode, because it's the one you're watching today, is a two-hour seminar that I was one of the participating panelists on behalf of an organization here in my home state of Arizona, and the organization is called the Marijuana Industry Trade Association. And it's one of the networking groups that I am involved in here in my home state. And as the name tells you, it's all about the cannabis industry. Anyway, the um, state of Arizona in the last election passed a new recreational marijuana law that includes a path to new licenses for both direct applicants as well as a yet-to-be-formed body of social equity applicants. So the Marijuana Industry Trade Association has been hosting these weekly seminars in order to help better educate the public and persons who might be interested in participating in the industry. So as you'll see over the next two hours, if you watch it that long, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, there are a number of panelists who are all professionals from in and around the cannabis industry, and not just here in Arizona. In point of fact, uh, amongst panelists, and I was absolutely thrilled to, to see him there, uh, Steve D'Angelo uh, of Harborside fame. The topics that we discuss on these panels vary a little bit, but it's all aimed at advising people on how to better educate and prepare themselves to try to enter in the industry and a little bit of what to do if you succeed. So I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you've got questions, shoot me an email. Take care. You know, as most people out there know already, welcome to module four of Mita's social equity mentorship program and our opportunity for individuals out there to network with the existing cannabis industry and for the cannabis industry's opportunity to give back and to help prepare the social equity applicants out there in the future by offering themselves as role mm -hmm. models or mentors and a little bit of an overview about how the industry works. Uh, we really appreciate your support. You might be watching this uh, three months from now. You might have, uh, I guess you couldn't have watched it three weeks ago if you're watching live, because uh, this one is live. But um, we urge everyone to participate live because you could get into the chat room and Paul Peretti's uh, industry expert, we're still working out how this works because it's a new concept. But right now, Paul is our master of the chat room. And also you can chat with our, with our industry professionals, which you're gonna meet for the first time uh, today. So you know, thank you for, for, for signing up. And whenever you're watching this, we wish you well on your journey. 
And of course, this is uh, open source and available to everyone out there throughout the national cannabis industry, as well as individuals who are looking to transition into cannabis, whether it's a C-suite or a management position. Basically, we're giving an overview of how the entire Arizona cannabis industry works and uh, helping you network with individuals like the individuals we have here today. So any other admin stuff that I dropped, should have put in there, Destiny? Uh, nope, just make sure you're checking out the website and signed up to our email list to get all the updates coming up. Uh, this is gonna be every Thursday. Um, if you wanna tune in every Wednesday, we also have a networking event um, that we are going to be putting on. Yeah, so that Wednesday, um, industry experts will be answering questions for free and just networking in general. Uh, and that's for everyone. Um, the other thing uh, that Des that's Destiny Blanco, she's like the administrator for COO, CEO, CFO, all, all, every title that Mita could give her, she has. She's behind the scenes helping put this all together. So please reach out to her for any questions. Um, the other thing I wanted to announce is that we did do a, cha train, a, a, a change in the, in the program. Uh, and that's, uh, we have the 13 modules going till April 15th, every Thursday. And then the three modules that Dr. Humble from the DHS used to, uh, he created the medical marijuana program. Uh, he's going to teach as well as probably uh, Bianchi and Brandt and Jeff Tice and Paul and our other tremendous industry experts. Um, what the rules mean, uh, those are gonna be once the rules are released. Uh, and we anticipate that being July, uh, August, right in there. Uh, we urge uh, people to put pressure on the DHS in a very polite and friendly way to make that happen as quickly as possible. But what we did is uh, we have so many professionals out there like Kim from Proven Media, who's like the cannabis media expert. She said, Dimitri, you don't have us as one of the 13 modules, but we'd love to help. So we've created what we call module expresses. And you're gonna love this. Uh, during the month of May, we're going to record and store online uh, an hour long deep dive into the specific topics, uh, subject matter topics of those experts and make those available to all of you out there so that you can learn about what they do. We'll, you know, we, we came up with this idea about 10 days ago and we have 16 already. So uh, if anybody else out there in the industry or anybody, one of our panels wants to uh, take us up on the offer, they're gonna be less entertaining they're going to be more of get the bones off the meat, as Jeff Tice likes to say. Um, and I, I call them a little less uh, interesting, but they are very deep dive things, but they're going to be fantastic. So watch closely, stay on the Mita website, and you'll kind of see what's going on. So without further ado, I think that's all the administrative stuff right now. Let me introduce our panelists, uh, which I call social equity mentorship uh, specialists, people who are willing to make themselves available to people out there who want to learn about the industry and et cetera. Uh, let me start first by with our with our our facilitators, our moderators who are here on board. You're, you meet them every week. Uh, but Jeff Tice, take a second to reintroduce yourself. Thanks, Dimitri. Jeff Tice. Uh, I have a small public accounting uh, specialty practice emphasis in uh, cannabis. I'm an ex-license holder, uh, opened multiple stores and cultivations, went through the licensing process uh, as, as you're thinking about now. And uh, I've, I've known Dimitri and, and Mita uh, from, uh, from the early days and uh, enjoy uh, participating in these sessions and, and providing uh, 
uh, opportunity. I've met some very, very uh, uh, great participants that have reached out and um, look forward to continuing to do that. Jeff, I totally forgot. I have to mention uh, Dr. Will Humble, the former DHS director, can't join us today. And Dr. Bober from Scottsdale Community College can't join us today. They're also helping develop the program. And uh, the program would not exist but for the underwriting of weed maps and the underwriting of Copper State. And their willingness to understand our vision and to join us on this adventure, which they said, oh, so we're helping others. I mean, that's, that, it was beautiful. Anyway, so Weed Maps, Copper State, Zuber Lawler is on Vald Institute Partner. Uh, they're helping us bring tremendous expert, experts to the table for you to meet. And you're gonna meet one here in a second. So thank you again for those, comp uh, those, uh, those uh, sponsors and Scottsdale Community College, who as soon as we're done with this, uh, our, our, our project to help the social equity applicants out there, they're going to go forward for the next 10, 20 years and actually have a cannabis course and probably be inviting many of our panelists to be guest speakers, et cetera. So thank you for all those strategic partners. And we'll thank our module sponsor here in a second. But let me introduce our strategic, uh, our, one of our, our <clears throat> panelists who was brought to us by Zuber Lawler. And uh, you know, he's an industry expert. And uh, take you a little bit of time, uh, Bruce, uh, to talk about yourself. And then we're gonna go to Paul Paredes next. You have to come off mute. Of course I do. Thanks very much for uh, for having me. Um, so a uh, uh, little bit about me. I spent most of uh, most of my career in the uh, in the investment banking business and and uh, and financing uh, various types of businesses and and got involved for the first time in cannabis. I would say in around 2013 with one of the very early stage. Uh, uh, Canadian licensees called Metrum Health, which became part of uh, Canopy. And one of the things that that struck me uh, over uh, the course of dealing with a lot of these uh, uh, cannabis companies is, is the, the passion that the principals bring to the business. And I thought that's, that's something that I really want to, um, that I really want to get behind and, and bank on. Um, since then, um, you know, Langstaff and Company was was established last year, um, mostly as a restructuring advisory boutique. Um, we've helped a number of companies in uh, in Canada uh, in the space who have who have run into uh, financial difficulties because um, uh, adult use in Canada became uh, became legal a couple of years earlier than it did in. Uh, the United States, and so we've already had our uh, our mania in all of the uh, stocks, and we've now got some visibility up here as to which business plans worked and and which were which were not, and and how to how to build a really sustainable business in the space. So uh, I'm really glad to be here. I'm really glad to be supporting social equity. It's a uh, it's a cause that's really important to me, and uh, look forward to participating. And thanks for having me. Bruce, we really appreciate you uh, being here and your email will be available on the Meta website. And we hope people, you know, restructuring advisory boutique, those are, those are all very complicated things. And I'm glad you're here because I wouldn't know what to do or say to people when they ask me those questions. So thank you for, for joining us and making yourself available uh, to the public. Uh, very much appreciated. No problem uh, at all. 
Yeah, so let me move on to our next uh, uh, moderator, Paul. Uh, you know, Paul Paul's one of my favorite person. I always tell people that if you have a sidekick named Paul, you can do anything. I don't know, I don't know about anything, but um, my name is Paul Predis. Uh, I'm a cannabis business consultant uh, with avoid, ACM. I'm sorry? You can't avoid crucifixion. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I've been in the industry about six years, uh, working under some C-suite executives, um, you know, helping with whatever projects they may need. Um, so I've, I've learned a lot of processes over the years and been involved in a number of applications. Um, so hoping to be able to share my experience here with uh, social equity applicants and, uh, you know, network with the other participants. So feel free to ask any questions in the chat. I'm going to try to answer all of them as we go. Let me introduce our next uh, moderator uh, and one of the people who helps uh, us design this program and the creator of the medical marijuana program uh, who's here with us. Uh, and most of the stuff we're talking about today was probably not, uh, there's a lot of problems with the deal structuring and the banking, but uh, they didn't have anything to do with it. So we don't blame you, Will. We thank you for creating a medical program that we all love. Uh, but Will Humble, please introduce yourself to the public again. Uh, thanks, Dimitri. Thanks, everybody. Nice to be back here again. I'll be on here every week. Uh, some days I'll have more to contribute than other weeks. Uh, as we get deeper into uh, the regulations that the Department of Health Services is going to build around the social equity licenses, I'll have more to contribute um, during those weeks. But uh, uh, thanks for the invitation. It's always nice to be here. And actually, I learn a lot uh, during these sessions myself. I, You know, there is no greater compliment that we can get for putting these things on um, so thank you, Will, for pointing that out. People are learning from these things, and that's exciting because right now, imagine, I always tell all of our, all of our, our panelists, all of our, our industry leaders that we know out there, imagine if something like this existed for you for free online prior to getting involved in the industry. Think about how thing, much easier things would have been. Uh, so it's very exciting to be to doing this. And so thank you, uh, Dr. Humble, for always being here. Uh, Caleb, do uh, you want to reintroduce yourself? Yeah, make sure I unmute myself. So hello there, I am Caleb Tice, Chief Operating Officer of Canna Owners. Um, it is a boutique consulting firm that we help uh, organizations of all sizes, uh, from your mom and pop up to your MSOs, uh, from everything on the operational or the compliance side, um, and especially on the accounting and doing cost accounting, break-even analysis, all of those things that you need in order to uh, understand your business, uh, make decisions to help you to be more efficient, and ultimately get drive uh, better performance on the bottom line. Um, so I've uh, been instrumental in applications and helping with training and uh, organizational development. So uh, there isn't really much that I haven't been exposed to or can't learn. So I'm happy to be a part of this program uh, and help to share the knowledge that I've gained over the last decade uh, with everyone who's uh, where I was 10 years ago, looking to get into the program and looking to be part of the industry. So uh, thank you, Dimitri, for having me. I'm just uh, very happy to be a part. Thank you, Caleb, for joining us, and you're another great industry expert. And if you, anybody's wondering why I'm wearing this hat, it's because I am in South America today. <laughs> um, let me go to the next. Gary Smith, did I did I uh, introduce you? Not yet, but you know, well, you just did. There you go. <laughs> you know, and you have to, I, I have a little bit of a fever today, so my mind isn't exactly clear. Is the but, prescription uh, more cowbell? <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Uh, go ahead, Gary. Uh, well, all right. I guess we've started my introduction. So hi, everybody. I'm Gary Smith, attorney at law. Uh, amongst other things, I am a board member and current president of the Arizona Cannabis Bar Association, uh, an association of lawyers here in Arizona who are dedicated to 
cannabis law. Um, additionally, I have an active cannabis practice and have been on the scene uh, pretty much since before the medical marijuana program started. So I've been around for 10 years serving the industry. Uh, Gary, Gary, thank you. And, and, and I know I send people over to yourself and Bianchi and Brant. We'll get to Clark here in a second. But, uh, you know, I'm going to try not to chime in too much. Uh, I'll be available on Wednesdays to chime in more. Uh, but uh, if there's one takeaway that I can give you from today, it's, it's a complicated industry. And don't ever underestimate the importance of your lawyer. And that's before you apply and after you apply. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just this whole industry, it, it's so essential because of the new regulations, the new laws, uh, the, the crooks that are out there uh, that you work closely with, uh, with an attorney. And it, Gary is the president of the Arizona Cannabis Bar Association. And uh, he's also a great lawyer himself and a great friend. So we really appreciate you being here. But uh, thank you uh, for, for joining us. And Jeff will have, take over here and guide the conversation in a second. Uh, but again, it, it really appreciate your support. Absolutely. Let me move on to another great uh, lawyer and a great law firm and uh, who works closely with Laura Bianchi, who I've known in this industry for about eight years now, uh, since the beginning. Uh, an amazing uh, group when it comes to structuring deals. And uh, I just love my lawyers. Can I just real quickly tell my story about how I got screwed in a deal because I didn't paper it? I'm just, I'm not going to bore you. Laura would say, don't talk about it. Um, Clark, uh, introduce yourself to the public out there and take a second because you're, you're new to our group here. Yeah, so thanks, Dimitri. Thanks, Vita, for having me today. Um, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to you know, have the opportunity to potentially help new entrepreneurs uh, succeed in this new social equity program, which is a great thing. I think it helps lower you know, barriers to entry and help get others involved who are interested in becoming involved in cannabis. Now, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a business and litigation attorney here at Bianchi and Brands. I'm licensed to practice in Arizona and Missouri. Our firm has been involved here in Arizona with the cannabis industry since the very beginning. So, you know, back in 2011, when the first batch of medical licenses went out, um, at, you know, up to this point, we have clients who are, you know, mom and pop shop type of dispensary owners, multi-state operators, and also international public companies. So we have a great deal of experience handling deals and transactions of all sizes. Uh, deal making is our bread and butter, <laughs> so to speak. And we've uh, we've helped license holders, you know, from the very inception, from getting through licensing, figuring out, uh, you know, what they need to get from point A to point B in terms of getting their business models and everything else ready, as well as after their, uh, you know, after they obtain their licenses, structuring their businesses, working out their deals, making sure that they're compliant with uh, all state and federal regula regulations. And, uh, and, and ensuring that they have smooth operations going forward. So, um, you know, again, thanks, Dimitri, and thanks, Mita, for having us here today. I, I'm more than happy to speak with anyone after, um, after the session about any questions that you might have about adult use licensing in the state, compliance issues, or generally the social equity program. So thanks again. Well, thank you, Bianchi and Brandt. Thank you, Clark Wu. Thank you for your support. And, uh, you know, we always remind people, the first thing you need to do is uh, lock up your consultant, lock up your lawyer, and then, you know, uh, then they'll help you get things done right. But uh, 
<clears throat> let me just go to our next guest today, uh, Larry Lipman. Um, please introduce yourself to the audience and uh, take a couple minutes. Uh, There's no rush here. We want to make sure people know you're accessible and a little bit about who you are. Well, thank you, Dimitri, for inviting me and um, very excited about this opportunity to help people in banking. Um, I present all over the country and I generally tell people that the five most important people and entities that you should um, sign up for your lawyer, your CPA, good software, join the association, and banking is the most important part um, to be able to track funds so that if and when you get audited, um, you'll be able to show everything properly. Banks generally don't want to participate. I think there's about maybe 500 banks and credit unions in the nation that participate in the cannabis industry. And usually it's because there's too much overreach by um, regulators. So back about four years ago, we created a specialized non-bank financial institution. Other non-banks are insurance companies, uh, brokerage firms, and um, um, United States Postal Service is a non-bank as well. So as long as you're licensed, you should be approved by us. We're similar to a bank, but we're more internet oriented. And we have an entire enterprise resource portal for track and trace, seed to sale, payroll, <coughs> and most important, reducing the excessive IRS 280 cap e-tax. If you're not familiar with that, contact us because um, that excessive tax puts you in an 80 plus percent tax bracket and obviously you don't want to be there. So um, we, we've been doing this now for over four years. We've moved hundreds of millions of dollars for the, within the cannabis industry. Uh, we don't advertise, it's all word of mouth and gone through associations. And uh, we're looking forward to working with you um, as you contact us. Yeah, Larry. and. Uh... You know, thank you again for being here. And, you know, Jeff, obviously we have, there's so much to teach. You know, it's like saying, it's like trying to teach people about baseball and you start with the pitcher's mound and the bat, how the bat's made. And it's a big thing. And so I always say, imagine if you're an alien coming to earth, trying to learn about baseball, there's a lot of elements to it. So we're not necessarily, Jeff's going to guide us, give us a little bit of, uh, of direction as we go through the slides. But what we might want to do, and, and, and this is where we develop, the, those 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 module expresses is I'm thinking uh, you and and all 36 um, uh, and, and some other individuals uh, we should probably do like an update on banking in May you know as sure. one of those express modules and so if we don't get a lot of information out of you today people can contact you directly but we'll definitely have uh, you know a, a specific banking one. Uh, set aside for 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 May because it's 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 very important. I think we're going to focus a little bit more on deal structure today, That's um, which which is good. Um, yeah. So so and then when we when we put together these thirteen original modules, I was thinking, what can we really uh, afford to do and timeline for free because it will all happen in May. So we just picked thirteen topics, and so please excuse us as we evolve this. Not uh, a problem. The most important thing is that people know who you are and yep. you're available out there. Uh, so uh, again, one of the reasons why we can function 
is because of our, our industry leaders and module sponsors. And of course, we Max Copper State, Zuberlala, Scottsdale Community College underwriting this program. Uh, and so let me introduce our next, uh, today's module sponsors, who are also guests on this panel. And you don't have to have any sort of connection with the panel to be uh, a module uh, sponsor. Like next week, Full Circle is the, is the, is the sponsor and they're, and they're involved with cultivation, but we're talking about retail. So don't worry about the connection. We have so many modules that need sponsoring. If you feel like jumping on, we'll give you a few minutes at the beginning to talk about what you do in the industry. But also, um, just coincidentally, uh, our panelists, our sponsor, our module sponsor from All36 is also an expert in the subject matter at hand today. So let me go ahead and introduce, and, or actually you guys self-introduce, uh, All36. Hi, thank you, Dimitri. Uh, my name is Lauren. I'm the CEO of Alt36. Um, you know, I think uh, we're extremely happy to uh, partner with Mita, and it's just a very unique opportunity to help with the social equity program. Um, we're very interested in just kind of giving back, giving our expertise. Um, you know, I have, I have Jillian on here as well, because I think that uh, it's not just our expertise is definitely payments. But I think there's a whole aspect around payments that's kind of forgotten, um, which is the marketing piece as well. But, um, you know, so my background is uh, about 10, more than 10 years in uh, high risk uh, payments and payment technology. Um, and so we've been in the cannabis industry for a little, maybe three, a little over three years. Um, the company's been around since 2015. Um, and so I'm looking forward to helping uh, kind of whether you choose all 36 or not for payments, uh, just giving you the tools, the information that you should be asking your payment provider um, and then linking up with other partners. Like I think, you know, uh, connecting with Bruce actually would be a great idea because we don't do banking per se ourselves, but payments is a piece of uh, what would help you kind of track things, be more compliant. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. And I'm Jillian Christie, and uh, as Lauren was saying, yes, marketing is maybe the less talked about side of payment processing, but it's, I think, equally as important as the compliance piece as well in terms of a thriving business. Um, I have a background in consumer marketing with Red Bull, NBC, um, lots of different entertainment and sports marketing um, companies. And so coming into a software company, I, I get to see some, some gaps of where that human touch um, can, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, given more and expanded upon. Um, and yeah, we not only want to, you know, we're super pumped to be on this panel and partner with Mita. Um, we are so excited, though, to help educate um, and set these new entrepreneurs, all you entrepreneurs out there watching, up uh, for success, um, not only logistically, compliantly, um, but also, you know, once they get past that threshold, we want them to know that they can have fun as well and build a community um, out of their, their business. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, you guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting Mita and supporting uh, this project. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it blows my mind that this is what, uh, that what we're going to do for the next three to six months is just be helping and educating people and getting these, you know, 26 new license holders. Maybe they will be 39 if the legislature increases it, they can increase it, it by, by 10%, um, getting them ready for their future, as well as helping, you know, thousands of individuals out there learn about the Arizona industry and the national cannabis industry as well. 
So this is, you know, fantastic. And we get to help you all network with each other. So, you know, Lauren, <laughs> and Bruce. I know, Lauren, I'll probably send you an email. <laughs> you know, get to know each other, Gary, you know, everybody. This is kind of a COVID networking. What a unique situation. Uh, also though, please, as we, as you come up with more module, express modules, uh, you know, we will add those. They will be one hour long and they will be put online and available to individuals. Uh, this is what we do. You know, imagine if, if, if uh, well, I, I was gonna say my Moses thing and the 10 commandments and you stayed on the mountain and all that stuff. But like, <laughs> I, won't even, I won't go there. You're 80% 80, many... of the way there, Dimitri, finish. I know, <laughs> I make too many biblical references, Gary. I don't know why. Um, so yeah, so I'm about to turn it over to Jeff and Jeff is gonna take us on this journey and please, uh, commentators, uh, one of the values of having, you know, this gallery view and all the intelligentsia on here, and, you know, Jeff is not a, is not a sensitive man. So if, if Jeff, if Jeff is wrong. Yes, you know, I am. <laughs> Jeff is wrong, Bruce, about something, you know, feel free. Let's have a discussion or a debate about it. Because um, that's, this kind of open forum allows people to know that they're dealing with experts uh, like yourself, Bruce, or Clark, or Larry, or Lauren, you know, you guys that are willing to to discuss uh, the ins and outs, the rights and wrongs, the good or bads of your particular uh, understanding of how the world works. Sorry, I, I do have a fever, so I, I do apologize. Um, my mind's not 100%. So because I have a fever, and um, I want to turn this over to Jeff now uh, as our host to go through the slides. Are you going to put the slides on there, Jeff? Is that? Yes, sir. I am. As soon as as soon as uh, we have a nice transition here. Okay, so. So I'm going to transition over to you. I'm going to go grab some water, and I'll be back, and uh, and we'll keep going. And so let's share, share some good information. Uh, and our panelists, please jump in, and we'll see what we what kind of uh, what kind of help we can uh, give to people out there. So thank you guys all for indulging me. Thank you. Okay, we good, Dimitri. I think we are okay. I'm just trying to get my own technology up to the time frame of where we are. Just a moment. Sorry about that. All right. As as Dimitri's pointed out, we're um, we're, we're yin and yang with uh, with our approaches and uh, being a, an accountant at times. I do like my debits and credits here, so I did have uh, you know two parts of this particular slide just to outline where where we go. So uh, pardon the professional. Uh, 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 caution, uh, 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 which is that I, I like to line things out as we go along. We've already covered uh, many of these things here. Um, the uh, outcomes and objectives. Let's uh, well, let's just move right along through it because we have uh, a lot of material. The exciting thing for me also is is that Dimitri's put together a great uh, a panel of of. Uh, of experienced uh, experts, a euphemism uh, a title we, we, we throw around, uh, uh, but in this case, it really fits because we've got folks that not only within their respective area uh, have the uh, expertise, but um, also uh, they know who's who in Arizona. And we'll spend a, a few minutes on that slide, but uh, um, there's a lot of wealth of information here. So I'd like to outline uh, really what we expect to get out of here. Uh, we've uh, we've uh, let everyone know that uh, this uh, program is designed to get you ready, uh, designed to help form your 
uh, your own uh, uh, plans. And so you can see that uh, we're going to go through some topics at some high level and, and look for uh, some of the insight that uh, uh, our professionals will be here. And we're going to start uh, uh, really with uh, business structures, first of all, and and uh, I, I want to get some of the, the, the panelists' uh, perspective on this is, is that uh, I call it beginning and also sometimes the ends. And, and that's really because if, if you don't take a little bit of time uh, thinking about who you want to be in business with, um, that sometimes th that your own selection creates so much uh, conflict that um, that the, the company fails. And the, the, the rule at the bottom, and then I'm going to turn to a couple of our, our, our panelists here, is, is that I like to look at is, is that it's a 2%, 100%. Uh, would you rather have 2% of something or 10% or 20 or 100% of nothing? And what I mean by that is as you go about and you're putting together and you're evaluating what people are contributing, what is that really worth? And, and ultimately, how, if the company is going to be successful, you split it up. And it's great to get to know these things ahead of time. That's uh, all, all too important. So let me, uh, let me say, Clark, uh, Clark, as we're starting to talk about this and, and uh, looking around, trying to you know, partner in, uh, in one of the slides later on, we're going to talk about the importance of coming and and engaging legal. But what would you like uh, the um, uh, the prospect or your prospective client that calls you up and say, Clark, we've got a wonderful idea and we want to form a business? What what would you, some of the things that you could share um, that would help them uh, to be prepared and be better clients for you? Of course. Uh, thanks, Chef. And I think, you know, step one is looking at your proposed business from a holistic type of model. You know, um, I always tell people, think ahead. And I think that's something that you recognize as well. Um, something that's interesting about Arizona's adult use program this time is you don't have to submit your business plans in advance. Um, you know, the difference between licensing structures where it's either a lottery or a merit-based system is typically the merit-based system, and we don't know what the social equity program is going to look like yet, but in those types of systems, you know, you're forced to come up with your business plan beforehand. And when, when that happens, you actually have to think about how your business is going to work because you're pitching that deck to, you know, the department. Uh, but... But here, since that's something that's going to come after the fact, it doesn't mean that it's anything less important. And I think this is even more so in Arizona in comparison to some other states because you have a vertically integrated licenses here. So if you obtain an adult use license, you, you're able to operate you know, your dispensary facility. You're, you're going to have an off-site cultivation. You could have an off-site uh, manufacturing facility. And that, that's a lot of moving parts. Um, a lot of people are starting to recognize now that, hey, this is a high growth industry and it's something that we want to get involved in, but that's as far as usually the planning goes. You know, um, because there's so many moving parts here, it's important to think about who you're bringing on, you know, to your team, what can they contribute and how, how are, you know, is your business model going to, going to work here? And that's why I, you know, I think what you, your first slide, you know, really, really speaks to me because, 
you know, what, what's the point about fighting about what the distribution is in the beginning if you haven't even thought about what your business is going to look like yet? Um, we have a lot of, you know, prospective clients that come into us and, and they say, hey, Clark, we want a license. Help us get a license. Um, but after that, you know, that's as far as, as they go. So I think step one is really figuring out, well, you know, do your research, you know, do your homework and figure out if this is an industry that you really want to get into, how, what do you need to do to, to get there? Um, and part of that might be, you know, speaking with people that are experienced in the industry, uh, getting their feedback, learning about how to structure things and how to plan your business and at least get a sense of where you want things to go. And after that point, you can meet with your attorneys, you can meet with your consultants and nail down the points of how you get there, whether or not that's, you know, doing the appropriate structures, uh, nailing down the points of your business plans. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's uh, that's step one. Thank you. I, you know, I want to uh, uh, I advance to this slide here that everything you said um, uh, could prevent some of these outcomes. And what, uh, what all of you will experience as you start to develop your teams is everybody has an opinion. Uh, and then uh, uh, the second point there, having an undefined decision-making process really relates back up to opinions is you as a group, as you're putting together your team and creating an organization, uh, ultimately somebody has to make a decision because ma managing by groups uh, doesn't work very well. So the, uh, some of these challenges when, when I, I, I say challenges here, and then Gary, maybe I'll look out to you with, mm. uh, 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 you know, a similar question, because being overwhelmed and just maybe um, being exposed to, uh, to an attorney, uh, it could be frightening at times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're calling on me for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly don't mean you personally, but if, if you know, in my world, some, sometimes as a CPA, I... Uh, well, you know, we're trying to work on deductions or things that, and, and lawyers tend to be, uh, it's where the rubber meets the road, baby, and needs decisions need to be made and made well. A absolutely. And absolutely. That's what I mean by that. And, and is there anything that, as, as uh, uh, we've heard from Clark, anything that you would see that, uh, you know, how do, how do they filter down that information to make effective use of your time? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciated everything Clark said. I, I wanted to add to that, that Clark was speaking in, in direct relation to your question to the entry point of getting into this right. business uh, from the moment of just deciding you want to do it. And there are so many moving parts to that decision. Oh, my God. Um, but when we sit down at my office with clients, we ask all those questions as well. But we also ask um, the end point. What's the client's intended exit plan or exit strategy? Because if they know what that is, that will absolutely shape what we're doing at the front end because we can put things in at inception planning for that eventuality. And also, uh, critically important, if you're facing a client who hasn't given a moment's thought to, how do I get out of this business once I'm in it? My God, that's a revelatory moment for them. They haven't thought that far. Um, so we can help with those decision processes as well. And why is that important? It's important for a variety of reasons. 
Um, if you've got multiple co-investors, you've got to know what their long-term intentions are. Uh, if you don't have the same intentions or at least compatible intentions, that will become a friction point at some moment. You know, they, they might, in conformity with the operating agreement uh, and appropriate uh, situation facing the business, demand a capital call. Uh, when you weren't expecting that you were going to keep expanding, well, oh my God, what a horrible moment for you. Um, or, you know, maybe one of your co-investors uh, had it in their mind that they were going to cash out in five years and nobody was expecting that. Another horrible moment. So these are things you should be anticipating and you can bake right into the structures. So for example, you might decide not to have a singular LLC. You might want to fracture uh, your business structure into multiple entities so that you can move them around more freely. So those are just a few examples and I hope that helps. Does that answer it, Jeff? Yes, sir. It does it, it quite a bit because, uh, uh, you, you know, if you, if you look at the bottom two points, I, I just I want to comment uh, on that for a moment for everyone to, to think about. You know, when you start to spend money, the team begins to form. What I mean by that is, is when you uh, have decided you're going to uh, uh, hire an attorney, engage legal counsel, uh, you're, you're beginning to spend your money and you're making decisions that you have to formalize your business uh, structure. And we're going to talk about structure a little bit more as, as we go along here. But uh, uh, the, the difficulty as you're going through this process here is, is again, it's the first bullet point and the last one is, is that you're going to get a lot of opinions. And then you're also uh, going to hear that... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, expert opinions. And I can honestly say today we've got the expert up here on uh, experts uh, uh, for opinions. And so when I say beware and do your homework, you're doing well being here, I believe. Uh, and, and the second is, is, is you have to have a, a BS meter, somewhat uh, we'll call it the BSO meter to, to dig through um, <coughs> BS. Um, there's no other way to say it. And I'll, I'll say from a personal experience, the first year, you know, we had three or four managers and probably five different cultivators. And that's because we, uh, uh, you know, first passed through, uh, we believed that everyone was an expert. And so that was a, a hard lesson to learn. You hire someone, you bring them on the team and you discover that they were very good growing uh, in a closet at home. But when you're on, at scale, it's, it's a different environment. So, um, uh, Jeff, if I may make a quick comment. Uh, yeah, please do. A lot, a lot of people have been reaching out to me saying, you know, a property owners and financial partners want to uh, want us to make certain commitments to them if they're going to be our partners in this social equity process. And, and I keep telling them, well, we don't know what the rules are yet. So I don't know if they're even going to require a financial partner or if they're even going to require a property owner to be in place. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, there's, there's things I do know, lawyers are important and, and, uh, and information's important. But what, what uh, maybe any, any of the other panelists might opine into this. Um, what, is there any advice that we can give them on that particular subject? On, on which, which one again? On that particular subject of, of what do they, what do they do about the, you know, with, with the, the potential property owners or potential financial partners, who are suggesting to them that they make certain financial commitments to them 
percentage of the license if they should win, et cetera. Uh, but there's nothing in place yet. And people are worried that they might miss the boat and that financial partner might go elsewhere, that property owner might go elsewhere. And they're thinking, well, I need to sign up that property owner and give him his 10% because I don't want to be without a property when I apply. But I don't know if there's any, but there aren't any rules that say you have to have a property yet. Well, the, the, you know, then I'll just give you my opinion on that. And, and the firm and fast advice that I, I give to everyone, especially, uh, you know, at this stage is, is, is uh, uh, paying rent on an empty building is uh, one way. Um, that you know, at 800 a month or, or 1200 a month, uh, if you locate a building at this point where you know we have six months, um, <clears throat> I, I don't suggest that anyone give away equ equ equity of nothing right now. Um, if you have a dynamite place and it's just a you know a great deal, then I, I would say consult your professional team and evaluate the totality of that particular decision-making. That'd be my opinion. Uh, Gary, uh, uh, others, I'd say legal Clark, uh, you, you've seen some experiences where that's uh, gone bad. But, yeah, uh, I, was, go ahead. I, I was Gary. about to offer exactly that. Um, for any of you who were on the scene a decade ago when our medical program switched on, there was a requirement that you had to have your real estate locked up at the time of application, which of course right. caused insane real estate speculation in Arizona. And naturally, people were grossly overpaying to purchase or lease. And I recall at least a few instances where uh, applicants who definitely were tied up in a long lease or, or made an overpriced purchase didn't get the license. And all of a sudden, they were stuck with a long-term lease that had no useful value for them at all. Or in its worst manifestation, which I saw at least one of, they had so overpaid for the real estate, even at fair market value, they could not recoup what they put in. So um, you want to mitigate against that. And there are ways to mitigate against it. Well-worded contracts that have a lot of conditional language in it and escape clauses can be crafted to help staunch some of the, the bad bleeding that can come from it. No, you're right. And let me talk about that third point on here just for a moment, because if, if you put together an effective team, and again, accountant and legal, uh, I mean, there's a minimum level of capital you're going to be required just to, uh, to have a fighting chance to be in this arena. And so that, uh, and whatever, the, I'll say again, hard costs would be the legal, your accountant, some, uh, some expertise you may need in your application writing. But notice I put that there is no traditional capital for this. And, and, and part of Part of uh, what the government or uh, state of Arizona and their program will want to evaluate is what's the likelihood of being successful if you're awarded, because it doesn't help the program um, to uh, uh, to award licenses that to businesses that fail, because then they get in lawsuits, and then there's all sorts of uh, you know negative effect of that. So I, I put up here the FF and other Fs. <laughs> Uh, because in the early stage companies, sometimes you have friends, you have families and other fools, we'll call it at this point. And what I mean is, is you're in the highly speculative uh, point of this process. In other words, we don't know how many applications are going to go in for how many spaces. But we do know that the, the percentages and your likelihood of being successful has varied a little bit between um, <clears throat> 
4% on the low side to maybe the highest 10%. So the important point here is, is that as you're gathering your current team, you're in the foundational levels, you should look out there that uh, 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 for those that, that, that are contributing, I'll call it in your initial or what we also uh, might call the angel funding rounds. And Jeff, if I may interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and because now we have Bruce here and, and, and yourself and, and some very talented people here. And, and I'm wondering if there is a way, and I don't mean to give away this, the secret sauce here, but, and uh, if everybody can think about this for a second, um, if, if a social equity applicant was with me right now, and I would say to them, maybe there's a way you can lock in based on your, on your, on, on what might happen on some sort of like contingency plan, some sort of deal structure that, you know, this property owner, this financial partner sticks with you, but you're not necessarily obligated to them. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Because that would be in the best interest of the social equity person to have the comfort knowing that <coughs> that there's somebody there as a potential uh, teammate, but they're not obligated to them. You see what I'm saying? Kind of yeah, I, I, again, I'll go back to uh, having a professional <coughs> team around you because you can work with the landlord. You can work with, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, maybe it's no cash down and you give them an option for uh, for a higher rate if, if you're so lucky as to to get the uh, um, the license or if you're not going to stay there that you would have some some level of, of uh, uh, let's let's call it uh, reward if you will for the landlord um, to receive but we, we also again want to caution everyone and uh, Gary brought this up that uh, be very careful signing a five-year lease if you don't have a license right now. Be careful making uh, any of those kind of long-term uh, commitments that could be detrimental. That's, um, that's why, a very brief moment uh, today, let me see, let me get here. Our intent was at least to introduce when you're looking around and, you, and you're looking to decide, uh, you know, what kind of a company you're going to have, I'm, I'm just introducing the, the mainly the, the uh, three forms: business forms, sole proprietor partnerships, corps. I don't really feel as though we want to look at these any more other than to say that a partnership is a is used the most. In Arizona, with with those putting together uh, again your 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 friends, your professional associates, uh, to be successful moving forward. So we're going to focus specifically in that area uh, as most of our examples come along. And the the reason is we discussed this last week and just bringing everyone uh, back up to speed of. of uh, on the types of relationships, if you received a, a license that you could ultimately have, which can get complex in a hurry. So, so uh, as you're creating your initial company right now, understanding that you want to have a good uh, legal organization, you want to have some some clear expectations there as to where you're getting your money from, who's going to give the capital, who's going to donate services. 
who's going to be your real estate expert, as Dimitri's pointing out, because somebody needs to either you're going to pay for uh, someone to negotiate a lease or that's part of your professional team. So let me, uh, that's what I was saying here is that part of our objective today is, is that for you to think about building your professional owners, building not only your professional owners, but, but uh, I, I, I just put legal and CPA out here. Um, uh, there should be a third bullet point that would be uh, some of the other folks on here, the, 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 the Pauls, the Caleb's, the, uh, our, our sponsors and, and other professional groups. So uh, no slight intended here. But uh, the, the real point of this is, is that um, you're going to start uh, being exposed to things where you don't have expertise. And uh, uh, the best thing you can do is look around and say, what do I know? What am I good at? And where do I need some help? Because mistakes that you make on the application, for example, could invalidate your application. And we don't know how complex it's going to be yet. But when I say here that as you look at your team, when I say professional owners, from my perspective, you know, my team, I could clearly handle this, the CPA bookkeeping, keeping those accounting things. Um, <clears throat> some of you may have uh, uh, friends or associates that are more experienced in the business arena. But these are just considerations that you need to look at because either you have the expertise in your team or you need to find it or you need to pay for it. Can okay. I add something to that, Jeff? Yeah, please do. Um, just to emphasize, and, and by the way, I agree with everything you've said. Um, for the audience's benefit, I don't think it's enough that you go find good, you know, quality, competent legal counsel, CPAs, etc. I think it's important that you find good quality legal counsel and CPAs who are also specifically experienced in cannabis. because Because the regulatory environment of this cannabis universe is unlike most other regulatory environments. And while absolutely, yes, you could be sitting across a very smart accountant or a very smart lawyer at what they do, if what they do is in cannabis, they might not be the right person for you. No, it's a great point. Later on, we'll see a slide on who's who in Arizona in that, we, you know, you don't go to your general practitioner if you have heart problems. Exactly. Exactly. I, you, you don't go to your general tax person if you have cannabis issues, because I, <laughs> I can tell you, it's just like any other pro profession, and uh, uh, that there are experts that uh, specialize in a respective area. Yeah. And, and that would be, uh, you know, Larry, uh, Pam, I think you joined us too, Pam. Yeah, we have a we have a, a mystery guest over there. I think her name is Pam Donner, but she's under my name, which is really interesting. So, uh, but, but but Jeff Jeff, uh, can we just hear from uh, Bruce real quickly? Yeah, Bruce, you know, Bruce is into restructuring, uh, you know, and, and helping these companies as things go wrong. Yeah, um, maybe he would like to opine on on some some of the stuff he's heard so far about structuring these deals. Sure. And, you know, what I was what I was going to chime in with is, you know, all of, um, you know, all of these issues uh, seem like awful things to be spending money on what, when what you really want to be doing is um, is getting out there and, and getting a license and, and getting premises and, and starting to generate revenue. But uh, I'll tell you, um, 
you know, structuring an LLC professionally and spending spending the time with your lawyer to make sure that your operating agreement for your LLC is is really solid and and contemplates some, you know, outcomes that are unpleasant to think about is really really critical. Um, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, I'll give you one example. I, I advised a, a business recently that. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the business became insolvent and, uh, the, and the principal asset was a dispensary and, and, uh, we thought that we were going to have the dispensary sold and everything was going to be fine. And then all of a sudden it became clear that none of the trade names were owned by the dispensary. They were all owned by one of the founding, uh, members of the LLC who had since left and, and nobody could and nobody could find him. And of course, all the buyers said, well, you know, we want the intellectual property. So uh, I guess what I would what I would say is, you know, when when you are starting a business, it may be convenient for your partner to say, okay, well, I'll go, I'll go register the trade names and I'll go get the lease and and I'll do this. And then all of a sudden, it's three years down the road and something goes wrong and it's sort of too late to change all those things. And all of a sudden you're trying to undo some bad drafting and some, uh, some either bad lawyering or non lawyering that was, uh, that was done at the outset. And, uh, and the costs of the costs of fixing things are so much greater than doing them right. The first time I would, I would really echo what, what the other panelists have said in terms of, beginning with the end in mind and and getting getting the right people around you no it's a great great point so larry uh, you looked like you had something on to add yeah i was going to um well gary chimed in with the, with the right perspective there you know we deal with so many clients across the country that all of a sudden there's this infighting going on amongst himself. And the last person that you want to be fighting with uh, in front of is people that are handling your money. So um, you, you can't discount getting the right people. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, but he was a really good attorney. He just didn't know anything about the industry. Um, that's not even funny. I don't know why I was laughing. It's just, it, it's sad. So take your time, use the professionals. Uh, within the association, there are um, really, really good people to deal with. Um, and just because a bank says they'll take you, please don't disguise your identity to get a bank account. Um, a lot of people do that and then they find out that they get terminated from the bank. So be very careful in everything you're doing and, and deal with the professionals that understand not only the industry, but the state in which you're, you're operating in or about to operate in. It's a great point, Larry. I personally or personally as part of uh, being in this industry have been uh, bounced from five different banks and uh, uh, however, uh, I'm very careful when I fill out the bank forms and describe what the characteristics of my business are. Um, sometimes banks right now, um, uh, 
we'll get into that in a few minutes. I think we have a few slides on banking sure. and just I, I, I didn't want to throw out a term, but but it's a great point. Uh, again, by the time someone gets uh, you know to your organization or even the banks or even attorneys, uh, uh, you, you, have, you need to make some decisions. And some decisions, uh, as I said, would, would be, how are you gonna surround yourself? And, and then how are you going to memorialize your understanding of the business relationship? Meaning, where's the partnership part of agreements? That's very important. And, and you had a slide right before this one that talked about the organization. Um, somebody earlier, I think it might've been Bruce or Gary had said, understand what your exit strategy, what you think your exit strategy is going to be, get everybody to agree to that. And then don't decide you're going to go public or become a multi-state operator or whatever it is you're going to do when you're an LLC. You, you got to be really structured properly and take advantage of all the, the um, tax codes and things that are available to you that many professionals that aren't in the industry just don't know anything about. Yeah, and along those lines, Jeff, and, and, and we all keep talking about going back to lawyers uh, and Gary, you know, as, as the president of the Cannabis Bar Association, it's so important that lawyers uh, have the years of experience uh, in dealing with these particular matters. Uh, it just, it, it's absolutely essential because even that little IP issue, you know, that's something that's kind of unique to cannabis law. You know, as Bruce was saying. So, sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to, is it okay if I say something? <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. So, um, I guess in terms of legal, uh, obviously we don't have a cannabis license. We're, we're payment technology, but for what we've done, there's a lot of compliance um, that's required. And having that kind of long-term goal, I think is super important because uh, even in just getting a license, there's a lot of compliance. Um, and just making sure you're doing things right. Because when you take the shortcuts, you end up, uh, you know, your business is a little bit more short-lived. Um, you might get there a little bit quicker, <laughs> but, uh, you know, long-term, you definitely want to make sure you're doing the right thing. And it may really stink to have to call your lawyer all the time to update them on things and, and whatnot, um, but it's definitely worth the money. Uh, you know, your business may change. Uh, you know, you may have a falling out or employees leave, or you just you always want to make sure your lawyer is updated on what's going on because they're the ones that can definitely help you. Um, don't ignore them <laughs> for, a, for a long period of time. Uh, make sure they're in the know. Um, and I, I would say that from just, you know, us starting our business, I think that's been incredibly helpful. Right. You know, Thank I'm going to re recommend to people that they use your virtual slide bottle from now on because that's a good idea to put <clears> some good information <throat> behind you like that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No problem. <laughs> you know, Dimitri, I, th I think I think this would be a good spot if we uh, had uh, Pam. I'm going to say Pam, Paul, and Caleb, because uh, all of you were uh, uh, applicants. All of you uh, worked within uh, you know partnerships that uh, were or were not successful for a minute, and and you went through this. Uh, I'll call it this time frame where we've got a lot of the participants thinking about the things that, that we're talking about and, and bringing, uh, I'll call it, uh, folks together. But uh, what uh, maybe, Paul, in, in your different roles, what have you seen that you've learned the, the, that our participants could hear today about this process? Um, you know, 
for the application phase of the process, um, making sure that your team is all on the same page. I think communication that's been kind of gone over in this panel uh, is key. Um, you know, as you move along, um, a, a lot of the the process is all, you know, line by line going through the rules. Um, so you just want to make sure that everybody is reading all of the rules, all of the the fine details of uh, each one of these multiple processes that everyone's going to be going through, uh, whether that's the the zoning process with your municipality or the, the county that you're working with, um, or, you know, just uh, making, making a, a verbal and written agreement between two parties over something that's some moving part during your deal, you know, making sure that everyone's on the same page about what each person's uh, role and exact kind of project task is during this phase. Um, it's it's extremely important to be as organized as possible. Uh, they've they've got multiple checklists to go through to make sure that you're you're meeting the requirements usually uh, in these application phase processes. So you know, checking through that checklist line by line and uh, showing uh, and exemplifying you know. Uh, how you're you're going to enact these voted approved laws, you know, um, I think that's that's the most important kind of advice that I would give. Does does that answer the question or is that too broad? Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm opening it up again because uh, you've, you've got some, uh, I'll call it wear on those uh, uh, treads, that, you know, sometimes on your back from being in these uh, relationships. And uh, uh, I, what everyone needs to understand is to make a business work is is uh, is work. And, yes, it and, is. Uh, once you once you get into this this kind of application phase and the ball starts rolling, you're you're working every day, uh, tying something down or getting something, uh, you know, filled out with the right requirements. Um, I can tell you that in um, the Missouri application phase uh, back in uh, 2018, 2019, um, you know, we scrambled and we had we had under 10 days to kind of put everything together. Um, there was a, a team that Dimitri had put together pretty quickly that happened to be all the right people. And, you know, um, it, it took a lot of, Hey, this is what we need. This is what we're doing. Are you on board as well? You know, it include making, making side deals with different uh, type of consulting companies of their different expertises. Um, and uh, we were Almost everyone I've worked with um, and almost everyone in the past that I've talked to about writing and submitting applications, everyone says it's down to the wire at the very, very, very end. Uh, I mean, that's when everyone's finalizing, revising and, and getting that final step in. Um, and so like you're 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 scrambling no matter what, even if you have a 60 plus day time frame, you know, uh, you may be going after more than one application uh, at a time. So uh, just organization. We, we clearly want to be beyond the the, uh, the personality points in our partnerships by then, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And um, it's it's just having having a clear, you know, project manager to tie it all together or someone assigned to like making sure that everyone's on task or, you know, uh, right. the, the different municipal timelines. Say you have to go to a hearing for your community and you have to do some outreach, you know, making sure that you, you've you done that outreach and filled out and informed the public that's about to speak on whether or not they want you here. 
Um, so like things, things like that all are important and uh, ev everyone who's working on an application like this is gonna, is gonna see that it's, it's all about project management and organization. Right, Dimitri, you were, you were about to make a call. Yeah, Pam and Caleb are gonna go next, but okay. idea, idea. I just came up with an idea, which I love Here's that. Here's an idea, ding, ding, ding. In May, all the panelists will be invited that we have from here until April 15th, which will be about 100 different panelists. The 100 panelists will be invited with all the social equity applicants that we have registered. We have 700 people registered to watch these online and stuff. We average around 100 alive at any time, uh, but we'll invite them all to the same spot so they can all network together and all decide who maybe they might wanna work with, et cetera, and make and, and learn more. So we're gonna have a giant networking event in May, which is after the 100 days of masks or whatever. And so I think that's a good plan. So just throwing that out there. Great plan. Put on your calendar, giant May networking event in Arizona, social equity applicants meet panelists. There Talk you go. Go ahead. You know, with that hat, we need to call you Chairman. Chairman Dimitri. I'm, I'm in South America. It's, it's really <laughs> this is okay. where the only revolutions are left. Yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, Caleb, you, you know, you've been in a variety of different partnerships and uh, in different phases. Uh, some things maybe to to uh, uh, to share with our participants that would be helpful. Uh, yeah, first and foremost is uh, trust your gut. Uh, trust the the feeling that you're getting of the people around you. Um, I, I heard that question coming up about earlier of landlords and other people really pushing to sign deals. That's who are going to be your partners. So you got to remember that a partnership is like a marriage and you need to be able to tolerate these people and not just tolerate, but work well with them uh, over the course of what could be the next five or 10 years. Um, and but then you also need to know what does that time frame look like? We talked a lot about exit strategy, and I think that's important to always go in and know what does that look like for yourself? Um, I've been in a lot of instances where it's management by committee and it's not a clearly defined decision making process. And as you can imagine, it takes a while to get decisions made. And then we're scrambling because we've lost all of that cushion of time trying to decide what to do versus just making a decision and getting it done. Um, so, uh, when it comes to the application phase, I mean, I'll echo a lot of what, uh, what Paul was saying on organization and, and on those checklists and, and what you'll see from the state level, you should have your own internal checklist, your own internal project plan that is keeping track of every step in development, uh, that there's a set of checks and balances. So you're not just assuming that one of your other partners has this piece done and, oh, that's done. You find out at 11 o'clock that, they didn't post it or it got lost in uh, ransomware. Or, I mean, stuff happens. So you really need to plan for the unexpected, give yourself as much of a cushion and organize of what is this going to look like? Who's doing what? Who's responsible for what? And how do we make sure that things are actually getting done? And uh, a lot of that is as part of the communication and how you organize yourself. Um, I appreciate those comments. Let me let me just jump to Pam uh, for for a, a minute here. Pam, hello, Pam. Hello. We uh, you've you've been in a, uh, just by way of introduction for everyone that you've you've been in a wide variety of, of partnerships also, and uh, you know uh, our, our emphasis or where we are is is 
So how do we select good people? And, and uh, like most of us, you've probably been in good ones and bad ones. And maybe, uh, maybe, you, can, maybe you can share with us some horror stories because I know you, you know them. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hello everybody. It's great to be here again. Um, I said this the last time and I'll say it again. You only have partners because you need them. And so you have to determine what, what area of expertise your partners are coming in at. And then um, you have to respect and recognize that you brought them in for a certain reason. And, um, uh, and you're gonna be partners a long time. Your success is made at the beginning. Your success is made when you're doing your setup. Your success is created early on. And I think that's one thing to remember. You don't just throw it together and hope for the best. You determine all this as you um, organize and move forward. You absolutely need to have one, I, I love the one project manager. There are a tremendous amount of moving parts in this whole process. So one person has got to be the uh, engine. And so, so I highly recommend and defer to that, set the people up and that's gonna be your leader. Another thing I've learned over the years as your consultant, you've got your lawyers and you've got your accountants uh, and, and your, any other consultants, but they also need managed. I mean, you have got to manage the entire process, including your experts. Great point. Right, and so I'm very clear about that. And one of the reasons I'm clear about this and have such strong opinions is part of my career has been as a court appointed receiver. And, and, and so I'll, as a court appointed receiver, I'm like one of the first people to the train wreck. You know, there's, it's still smoking and people are still bleeding and they aren't bandaged up yet. And so I go in and try to salvage the asset. And, <coughs> And boy, there's some real horror stories. You, you, I've seen a lot of things. Um, and probably what's created, what I've seen the most that created the problems was poorly put together partnerships. Wow. And, 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 it, and it, it, it's sort of like a marriage, but uh, it has to be better than a marriage. So, um, so pick your partners wisely and respect the position that, you know, that's one of the things as you get, you go in and you interview people and the, the interviews are terrible and they, they don't trust each other. They set it up wrong. They didn't def uh, define the duties and there was no accountability. And if you, if you have all that, it's going to be a train wreck. Who were the lawyers who put together the, uh, the groups that went into receivership. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no um, one on uh, this panel. <laughs> if I told you, I'd have to kill y'all. <laughs> but, but Jeff, this is really Gary and, 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 and Clark, uh, you know, maybe they could chime in as well. Yeah, please do. You guys are seeing a lot of these things and, and you guys are having to structure a lot of these deals. Yeah. Um, you know, how complicated is it when two, three, four, five, six people come and sit down with you and say, we want to form a partnership. I mean, you know, what, what happens next and, and, and any just overview advice that you can give to people before they end up in your office. 
Yeah, I could I could speak to that. Thanks, Dimitri. Um, I mean, I want to first of all, I, I very much echo what uh, most of the panelists were saying here today, and you know, I like I do like using the term um, divorce <laughs> because when you're it's it's all about being planned, ha having everything ready and planned, um, and secure the onset so that there's accountability going forward. You know, and part of that is figuring out not just what your exit strategy is, but what your short-term and long-term goals are and what steps you need to do to get there. Um, and at the end of the day, things change. You know, people change their minds. Uh, I've seen management disputes all the time. It's part of, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my, my job to help resolve management disputes. And usually if you don't have the right structure and paperwork in the beginning, things get messy. Um, that's, and that's very much a situation that you, you don't want to be in no matter how you know how friendly is everybody is in the beginning so you know back to the the terminology divorce it's it's kind of like treating it as having alimony papers in the beginning you know when you have uh, having when you're when you're structuring your business you know you very well one you want to make sure that you're going to the right partners i think jeff brought this up earlier is you know be beware of the term experts because we have seen a lot of deals and partnerships fall apart because individuals have not been able to rise up to the occasion or meet their promises and, you know, creates issues from a, a operational perspective, a business perspective and um, a compliance perspective. Um, and, you know, and to avoid that is it's really figuring out in the beginning, well, one, what everybody's, what everybody's roles are, putting that on, down on paper, structuring, you know, it appropriately and making sure that uh, you you put down on you also put down on paper what the plan is, so that you know if it's a couple of years down the line somebody changes their mind, well it'll be harder for them to you know laterally go out and cause disruptions or or do things because you know they're they're bound by contract or they're bound by the governing documents of uh, whatever entity you decide to form, and you don't have these issues down the line. So once one of the things is I think it's important to have you know, some of the more difficult discussions with your prospective partners in the very beginning and really fleshing out, you know, what everybody's expectations are regarding the deal, um, what everybody's rights are, what they're out and what they're responsible for so that, you don't you run into these problems less and less down the line, so to speak. And if you make a deal with a lawyer, make sure <laughs> that he Gary? <laughs> oh, Dimitri. <laughs> when you get back in town, I will hug you. Provided you don't have COVID. Actually, I, I tested positive. That's why I'm in quarantine in Columbia. So oh. it's a long story. Well, then, uh, mental hugs, buddy. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Picking up where, where Clark left off. Um, I've handled a lot of litigation over the last decade. Um, from the various waves of investment and, and licensure that, that took place. And a common, common recurrent theme is that the people who ended up fighting hadn't really had clear communications from the get-go. Um, it's so important to know who you're doing business with and what your mutual aspirations and intentions are with that business. Um, just having a desire to get in isn't enough. Having a, a partner who maybe you need capital and they've got money, um, that's fine. Get the money, get them, uh, you know, joined on as a partner, but maybe come to an agreement up front restricting or limiting 
their involvement. You know, maybe it's better just to have them be a silent passive investor rather than having actual direct day-to-day managerial responsibility when it's just not their skill set. So these are the kinds of things you want to be thinking about. Well, I'd like to say something there, and that is, as a court-appointed receiver, what I saw was the people that knew marijuana and the people that knew business and money. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so you don't maybe don't want the guy with the money uh, giving you too much input on how to grow, but you have to you have to treat the guy with the money like he's the guy with the money. And <laughs> a lot of these marijuana people treated the guy with the money like he was an idiot and started locking him out of the business, not sending him reports. And in the end, the guy with the money knows how to use the lawyers and uh, and have them maybe on retainers. So. So th- there was a huge conflict initially here in the state between the people with the knowledge and the people with the money. And it was, it was a bad marriage. It was call it whatever you want, but there was a lot of, a lot of things that uh, didn't work out so well but right away, right away in the first 12 months. Totally agree. So, Pam, Pam is singing the gospel folks pay attention to what she's telling mm-hmm. you. It's all true. Uh, Gary, if, if I could just interject real quick there. And to Pam's point, I think all of us, we've kind of been talking about marriages, divorces, and romantic relationships in general. And I think if we use those as kind of, um, you know, a model of sorts, um, the most successful relationships in those realms, uh, those people are aligned on their values. They value the same things. So I think, you know, speaking to all these, these entrepreneurs, maybe this is their first time, you know, kind of sussing out potential partners. I think a great place to start is you know, hey, do we value the same things? Um, that can be an easier start to the conversation um, to even see if you want to continue down this deal-making road. Um, because, yeah, if, if you're not value-aligned, then your partnerships will typically, that's where a lot of cracks. And to your point, Gary, communication failure breaks down. And part of that com- communication failure is because they didn't know you know, that communication is a valuable piece as well to business. So, um, yeah, I just say, you know, make sure you're aligning with not only partnerships as far as your ownership team and, and structuring your business organization, but down the line, you know, like who are you when you bring on um, ancillary products or services, those, you know, those should be viewed as partnerships as well. And do you align? Do you does your vision and Gary, like you said, aspirations slash values, do those align? And um, do you think those companies can deliver on, on what's most important to you and your vision of your business? And, and by the way, you don't need to ask permission, just jump in. <laughs> one, like, Excuse me, thank you. So, thanks for <laughs> one more thing that I would One more thing that I would add um, is, you know, it's it's been true in the, um, it's been true in the mining business for a long time, and, and we've seen people uh, uh, in, in both Canada and the United States in the, uh, uh, in the cannabis business who, um, you know, their slide deck says, hey, look, we've got a lot of capital and we've got a lot of operational expertise and you've got, you know, you've got this great idea. And um, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher said a long time ago that the, the person who proposes to do everything for you will ultimately take everything from you. Yeah. So you've got to, um, uh, you, you have to have 
uh, a very clear proposition for potential financing partners as to what they're bringing to the table and what you're bringing to the table. And um, all and all of this, you know, not to not to harp on the point, but all of this gets memorialized in the documents that are written at the very beginning of the relationship. And it's very tough to change. So that's uh, just a principle to keep in mind. I've never heard anyone quote Margaret Thatcher before. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Bruce, that, that's a really good point you bring out because um, I listen to a lot of stories about owners who are um, moving along real well until they start making money. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the disagreements and, and, um, and they move from fear to greed. And there are a lot of businesses in the cannabis industry who the owners have been pushed by investors and other people to ignore certain rules like 280 cap E. I can't tell you how many companies have just ignored it. And the IRS is getting ready to come down on, um, on audits now. And they're talking hundreds of millions of dollars are gonna be collected from businesses. And if you think about that, some of these businesses don't have two, three, five million dollars liquid to pay the tax that they should have been dealing with along the way, and they're going to have to sell their license or worse. And in the cannabis industry, as of recently, I'm sure hasn't changed. You can't declare bankruptcy, so um, you got to sell your license, and then your dream goes away. So stick with your principles. Know who's in charge at the beginning, and don't let somebody convince you to do something that's illegal. Um, I, I run into that too often. It's terrible. It's yep. a great point. Very good point. And especially in an industry that is um, not legal at the federal level. And so <laughs> it's, it's very easy to get outside of the rails here. If, if uh, uh, especially if you don't have support uh, from your executive or ownership team and um, that, that, that's great advice. Yeah. Let me, Go ahead, Jeff. Just one one more point, and this was something I yeah. brought up in in last week's uh, seminar as well. But it's still true this week. Um, as you're selecting people to do business with, be it a direct partner or or just an ancillary uh, vendor or service provider, know who you're dealing with, know who you're talking to. Um, this is a new industry, and people come from all literally all over the world to try to jump into it. So there are vast pools of total strangers out there who may all be nice people. I don't know. I haven't met them all. Uh, and you may be looking at, at smiling faces who seem to say the things you want to hear, but they may not really harbor those intentions. So do your due diligence. Check these people out before you sign deals with them because once your signature is on the page, it may be too late. And there are a variety of things you can do to research the backgrounds of individuals. There are lots of public databases you can just access yourself. Uh, and there are also services that can do deep dive research into people, including uh, you can hire the services of private investigators. Um, my firm offers an array of these sorts of services, and we've got vendors who also provide them. And I recommend if you're about to ink a deal and get married, know who you're marrying. That's a, that's a great point. Would, I'm you, going to, would you advise uh, putting a private investigator on your fiance? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but 
Yeah, to, to your point, Gary, I mean, it's you're you're doing business with humans. And if we're talking, I know you, you kind of brought up, uh, you know, bringing in different, um, you know, softwares, companies, whether it's like any ancillary situation, products, you name it when you're implementing and integrating into your business. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's really important to remember, especially like in our realm over here of digital payment solutions, you know, you're not hiring um a computer. You're not hiring a software. At the end of the day, you're working with these humans and they're essentially your new teammates in, in, you know, kind of the journey to, to create a thriving business. So just like you were saying, Gary, like know who you're working with. Um, again, I'll go back to aligning with like, are you, do you have the same vision as far as values are concerned and where you're going with your business? Um, at the end of the day, it's about the humans, for oh, sure. Oh, it's, a good, it's a great point, Matt. Maybe some of you might ask yourself, well, how do I do this? You know, I mean, how do I, how do I make these decisions? And what you have up here is, is uh, uh, you saw on the agenda that we were just going to touch on a business plan. But one way is as you start to collect these, the, uh, your associates, your, your uh, potentially your, your future business partners, uh, one way to do it that I, I've found and that uh, probably every one of the panelists on here participated is, is developing a business plan, either with their own individual company, a personal uh, uh, company or with, uh, with, with partners. And I, I put this out here because, again, you can, you can Google business plans. In fact, you can Google cannabis business plans. And there's some out there. And uh, they'll go through each one of these sections and some of them, uh, you'll find some templates out there. You'll find some for a hundred bucks. You'll find some for a thousand dollars. And uh, you, you kind of get what you pay for. I, I, I want to give the caveat there is, is, is that uh, uh, in, in several states, they've noticed that the applications or the business plans all look the same. And so the state has gone up to these websites or has seen samples or somebody brings it in in the morning and says, ah, I found their business plan. It was on the, the uh, website. And this actually happened in a situation that I, I get involved with evaluating uh, a partnerships from a, a financial perspective. Should I invest in this? You know, what's the company worth? Those kinds of questions. But uh, the, the interesting thing, this was just a few weeks ago, is that is the company, I'll call it the ownership group, the, the, you out there looking for money. Um, they sent me the business plan and which included a financial model. And, and just, you know, out of curiosity, I Googled and it was a cultivation. I Googled cultivation business model. And there it was. Their exact model, they didn't even change the colors, you know, the backgrounds, uh, the underlying assumptions. And so it told me that that, that uh, these guys were inexperienced. It tells me a lot as an evaluator, as a person looking to 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 help someone move to the next level. But you're not going to fool when you sit down with your attorneys and your bankers and the, those folks on on this panel. Is is when I, when I when I say you're not going to fool them is is moving through this process here uh, creates a, a better relationship with your vendors, with your lawyers, with your, uh, uh, with your partners. And so I, I, uh, 
uh, maybe look out at, at uh, Larry. Uh, uh, you know, you ever done a business plan before? <laughs> me? Can you hear me? <laughs> many, many, many. Many, many. Uh, any uh, tidbits of, of uh, uh, advice as anyone's going through here? I, I, I guess maybe the best advice is just do it. Well, you're right. Go to Google and pull off the structure mm -hmm. or the outline, but don't copy somebody else's work. That I mean, plagiarizing somebody else's work and not changing anything is ridiculous. Yes, sir. Um, and and then second, um, work with a, a CPA on the financial side of it because I have seen so many numbers, people that made zero sense. I don't think they even believe their numbers. So make sure you go through it with somebody that really knows what they're doing. You know, the uh, and the operator, this person looking for capital, uh, you know, I gave him the bad news. I said, uh, you know, it's trying to be, uh, be professional and polite and, you know, it doesn't fit my investment profile. Um, I mean, I have customers helping, uh, you know, asking me to evaluate something and it and uh, he, he wrote me back and he said, you know, tell me the truth, man. Why, why are this is, you know, cultivation is great. It's marijuana. Invest in me. And I had to say to him, you use somebody else's work. You didn't rework them to be truthful. And what it told me is, is that anyone investing in you is, is, is just throwing money into the wind. So with that, there's a lot of really bad software out there that yeah. has become extremely popular in the industry because it's cheap. And um, as a financial institution, we have to file suspicious activity reports for an inconsistency in a financial statement. One of the reasons that banks won't participate is because they can't get true reconciliation and the bank's um, directors and officers insurance is just through the roof because of that and a few other reasons. So um, there, there's a few softwares out there. We happen to have one of them because we needed to make sure not to have mistakes made that will take you out of the 80% tax bracket of 280 cap E and properly reconcile all the way through. So when you get to the audit, we've been through many, many audits with our clients. The IRS agents can't be fooled and they know about double entry. That means you're taking data off the software to track and trace and sticking it on the QuickBooks. And they're just not buying into that anymore. So um, within your business plan, put down what you're going to use for your proper software in your accounting and don't make a mistake because a lot of the investors know now what's good and what's not if they've invested in the industry before. I think a business plan is definitely super important. I mean, obviously it gives you what you're going to present to your investors, but even beyond, even backtracking from that, it gives your team, uh, an, for one, work with your team, your entire team, on the business plan, I would recommend not just having one person doing it, assuming you have a marketing person, a finance person, or the, um, you know, the executive team, because what that does is it gives everyone accountability and direction of what they're supposed to be doing, where we're all going as a company. 
Um, and it just helps you work better as a team. That way, when you're presenting it to an investor, it's real. I think that they can probably see that it's genuine. Um, and, you know, reach out to your experts, reach out to advisors, or even people in this group about, you know, what do you think of this? Because um, that's all going to help you. But I think, you know, just starting with your team, building it out, um, making it a real, making it your genuine uh, business plan, and it, that will benefit you huge. And then it's specialized too, because everyone, you know, has their expertise in their own department and, and then, you know, come together, more heads are better than one and, and just kind of see where those synergies are aligning. And, you know, I love sitting in a room with our whole team and we just, we just kind of let things flow. And so many, so many more like amazing ideas come out of that just by riffing off each other. So when you're building your business plan, don't be afraid to sit in a room for two days and, and, you know, dream up uh, the future of your business. Leave the brownies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeff, you know, we've, we've, uh, and, and again, we, uh, our intent here is, is that there's a lot of resources out there to look at samples on a business plan. And, and that's probably uh, your, your, a, a good first bet just to kind of give you familiarity with, uh, with, with what's out there. Um, and, and then from there, you know, work with your teams. Uh, we mentioned a number of things uh, this afternoon on banking, on uh, what we call, uh, known as a MRB, which is a marijuana-related business. And, and that's important to know as you are, as your, your pre-application, what we affectionately say, which means you're not a marijuana-related business yet. At this point, you are a, a speculative management company or a speculative company that is going to apply for an application. You'll be a different kind of business if you are awarded an application, a, a license, which means marijuana related business. The difference there, and I think, uh, was, it, was it you, Bruce, or, or I, somebody mentioned the suspicious activity report. What does that mean? That sounds like you're being monitored all the time. Well, it wasn't me, but oh, yeah, okay. you're yeah. being monitored. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was me. Yeah, um, Larry, thank you. So the Financial Crimes Network um, put out, the FinCEN put at the arm of the United States Department of Treasury, they put <laughs> out a comprehensive list of items Back on February 14th of 2014, seems like yesterday, um, of what to follow and track that is, quote, suspicious. And much of it is around cash and anti-terrorism, money laundering. Um, and the two items that we track, uh, one in particular is the inconsistency in the financial statement, because um, there are people in the industry who take product, or sorry, they declare that product is uh, no longer, plants are no longer in production. Um, they take, they say they take the tag out, and then they try to deposit money equal to what the product would have been if they had it, meaning they shoved it out the back door to to the black market. Um, and that is a really big problem uh, nationally. 
So um, there are probably 50 or 60 different items that you have to follow as a, as a bank that would be considered um, suspicious. Uh, I have a whole list of them. I can post them up somewhere and send those out. No, but the, 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 the point that I think that you're making that uh, I want to reemphasize is, is that there's, there's a few things in this industry that can be fatalistic, if you will. In other words, kill the organization. And uh, banking is, shouldn't be frightening. It's just very structured. That's and right. so, if, you know, and, and we'll talk about a few that are playing in this field here in Arizona in a minute. But it's if everything that we've talked about seems a little rigid, a little, um, uh, you know, a lot of rules and things. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of rules and things. And that's why we have a panelist of experts. That's why initially, again, I, I say know what you don't know. And banking is very important right now. You can open a bank because. If you if you uh, create a partnership, you go down to your banker. It's a consulting firm, and uh, I just did it. I just did it uh, for a couple of uh, consulting uh, organizations that are providing business uh, to what we would call either leaf touching or non-leaf touching. But when you're filling out those forms and when you're doing the things as a uh, either a marijuana-related business or a not marijuana-related business. Um, and uh, Larry emphasized this also is you need to be truthful. You, it's, a, it's actually a felony if you if you uh, uh, propose to deceive uh, the federal government or the banks under the banking laws. Uh, Jeff, uh, time out for a second. <clears throat> Big uh, valuable takeaway here, because uh, people are going to be watching this, you know, from now until August. And they're going to be putting together $10,000, $30,000, creating a bank account. So they can go hire their consultant and do minor activities and hire their lawyer, et cetera. Um, so you're telling me with 100% certainty, and I just want to quickly have Gary and, 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 and Clark chime in, that it's okay for them to go and open a bank account, put that $20,000, $30,000 in with their little partnership group uh, to go forward in that direction everything will be fine. And that's a very important uh, thing that people are asking themselves out there. Um, and maybe Gary or Clark wants to, I don't want to, you know, you can- Well, before the answer, uh, Dimitri, before the answer, I'll, I'll give you my personal experience. Uh, like I said, last week opening a, it's a cannabis related consulting company, but cannabis is not the qualifier. I am a management consultant. And I truthfully, I truthfully sign the forms that I'm a management consulting. I'm not in the marijuana business. Yeah, but, then that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that uh, your banker may not treat it that way. They may treat it, uh, you know, as marijuana related or also, as Larry talked about, a su suspicious activity report. If I deposit cash into the bank, whether I'm marijuana related or not, you have the possibility of being flagged as suspicious. But uh, Larry and Bruce, you know, maybe make some comments. It's okay to say I'm full well, of it. Don't do what I'm saying, but uh, go ahead. No, just really, I'd like to hear from Gary and-, and oh, Gary, oh, sorry. And then maybe Larry, Bruce, and-, and uh, Yeah, and sorry, Dimitri. No, but then maybe uh, Larry, Bruce, and Lauren can opine if, if that's the route our social equity applicants are gonna be taking, what they can do to better prepare themselves to deal with the realities as they exist today um, post, victory uh working with with 
with groups like all 36. But first, uh, Gary and Clark, are you guys okay with that concept? And I don't want to put you on the spot to give any like binding legal advice here, but. <laughs> um, I could speak from experience um, and that is, you know, at the end of the day, working in the cannabis industry, banking is always going to be an issue. Uh, you know, banks inherently are risk averse. So they they don't like working with cannabis companies, especially, uh, you know, in light of the federal illegality. So where does that leave you? Practically speaking, most of the time you're working with state and you know, local uh, banking institutions. And the requirements, uh, you know, as to how you may secure bank accounts, just it really it really depends. Um, so, for example, it, it, for some of the the local banks that I that I know of that work with you know cannabis operations, they they re, they have a lot more uh, they require a lot more oversight. You're lot you're required to provide a lot more documentation than you normally would when you're opening up a bank account. They want to you know look peek under the sheets. They want to know what you're doing with your operations. They want all your operative documents. If you have, you know, some type of management contracts, subcontractor agreements with uh, with other entities, they want to see it. Anytime that gets changed, they want a copy of it. You know, that's that's been my experience with dealing with at least the local banks around here that are friendly enough to work with, uh, you know, cannabis, cannabis companies. But there's also a trade-off with these banks. Usually, there's higher fees. You know, um, and you're and there's, and there's a lot more handholding along the way. Uh, but at the end of the day, you are, you will, uh, if you comply with the requirements, be able to, you know, you're likely be able to obtain a bank account. And, and sometimes banks will have specific requirements. So for example, uh, if you're not the license holder yourself, but you're working with the license holder, uh, the bank might potentially require both of you to be joint signers on that account. Um, it's, it just really depends on what the bank's specific requirements are. But you know, to to Dimitri's question regarding, well, would you feel comfortable putting your money in that bank? You know, you know, do you have to disclose that your cannabis operation? Well, number one, I would say, you know, obviously be truthful. That goes to what Jeff was speaking before. Don't don't lie about uh, what type of business you are. You might end up getting you know blacklisted uh, as a whole, and then that's that caused other problems down the line. But uh, in terms of well you know, how to actually secure banking, it, it, it really depends. You know, like, for example, uh, if you are, you're the license holder, you, you will need to, you know, work with local banks that's, uh, that, will, that will, you know, perform banking services with you. And you'll have to go through, uh, you'll have to go through requirements, provide the documentation that they want. But if you are, if you are, for example, providing certain types of ancillary services, um, and you could, you know, truthfully uh, represent that to, to the banking institutions, then are you subject to some of these, you know, additional restrictions that, that banks might impose on campus companies? I would say not, not so much. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it depends. Um, and something else to think about, at least from the perspective of licensing and, and everybody else is uh, if you're, you know, if you bring in you know, and potential investors who might not be in the cannabis industry and they don't want to be, um, you know, they don't want their names tied to this because it might affect their their banking elsewhere. You know, how do you structure that? That goes back to what we were talking about before with you know, your business planning and your deal-making organization. But these are all things that, you know, should be done uh, at the forefront. 
So, so Clark brings up a couple of um, good points here, and everybody has. And the word "it depends" really matters. So, if you're being very honest and truthful, and you're working with a bank or a credit union that works in the cannabis industry, and they feel like it's worth their time because you're brand new and they can't make a lot of money on you and it costs them a lot of money for compliance, they may or may not take you. If you filled out an application with us and said you used to be with Wells, B of A or, um, or um, Chase, I'd say BS, you didn't tell them the truth because they don't work with the cannabis industry. So um, I think it was Jeff who said, you, um, if you're not already operating, um, and you and you say that you are management consulting or whatever. Unfortunately, that is the second level of or first level of of um, SARS reporting for somebody who says there's something that they're not, and that is a felony. Um, if oh, no, I'm not saying that you're not though, Larry. That's in- got it. Got it. Right. Okay. So. So there are a few alternative companies out there that you may run into their names. Be careful if they're not taking on fiduciary responsibility of the funds and they're just a broker in the middle. Um, Because banks do take people on no matter what business you're in or personal, and then they terminate you after they do a little deeper dive. So you walk out of there thinking that you got a bank account and the next week you got a letter saying you're not um, uh, no longer banking. And by the way, your friend, your, uh, your um, wife or husband and other relatives are all eliminated too, because they're afraid of co-mingling the funds. So you got to be really careful and work with financial institutions who are known to work in that industry. Um, and don't have a problem with how big you get because that's another problem. As you get bigger, they terminate you because you're hitting up against the cap rate that they all have that we can talk about another time. But um, so there's a lot involved there. And there's a few companies like ours who are um, able to take businesses, but you wanna make sure that whoever you're working with is not a broker sitting in the middle. Very important. Just real quickly, Jeff, uh, if I may, you know, one of the chats uh, in the chat room, somebody said, this is all overwhelming. I have no idea where to start. And, you know, I, I get that. But um, we have all 36 here. And in the chat room, they're offering a free merchant toolkit filled with industry insights and resources. And one thing that is, is really smart is to reach out to like full service microbes. Well, what are they? Uh, all 36. What are they? They're ancillary companies that are interacting with lots of manufacturers, cultivations, dispensaries. And so they're learning about, and they have tremendous knowledge about how things actually work. That's not necessarily their business model. So they can provide insights as, as all 36 is offering insights and resources to help you understand things better. And, you know, in the hopes that, that, you know, when you do, when you're licensed, you work with them, that's great business. And that's a great approach. And that's what this equity program is all about. So I want, I want to thank you all 36 for throwing that up there. I didn't know you were going to, but like weed maps is offering free things. NCIA is offering free things. Copper state's going to be doing a whole tour in May of their facilities. So people have some better understanding. These are people that want to offer help uh, 
to those who are, are coming next. And, you know, hopefully some goodwill will develop. But but we we did miss Jeff. Uh, we did miss uh, Gary because I wanted to get his answer on that banking. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to. And I actually also want to offer a sidecar comment. Um, but doubling all the way back to your original question, Dimitri, you were asking about the, the propriety of um, hopeful uh, applicants just throwing some money in a bank account to get ready to go. Um, yeah, you're going to need seed money to get started. But um, if I'm taking your question literally, and I am, um, don't just throw money in an account, assuming you can get the account open. Have some agreements in place between you and your intended partners. Because if you guys just throw money in a bank account and have nothing in writing and somebody starts to spend the money or helps themselves, prepare for fights. So um, absolutely, yes, plan on opening a seed bank to literal bank account, not seeds, uh, a seed account to take some initial cash to start doing the initial expenditures you need to do, but have an agreement in place first. God, don't do it on a handshake. Um, the other thing I wanted to say too, um, which is my sidecar comment relative to the, the challenges of banking is that you've got to remember the reason this industry has trouble banking is because of the federal prohibition. The, the, the banks all are at omnipresent risk if they do business with this industry of being accused of facilitating narcotics trafficking because at the federal level, this is all still considered narcotics trafficking. So the bank's fear is, you know, doing a nice business with you and then having some federal prosecutor show up with, with an indictment that accuses them of money laundering and structuring, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why banks are hard to get. And it's also why they put you through the ringer when they will take you. But along with that means that once you're in the industry, your personal financial life will also suffer these changes. And it means, for example, that if you're a cannabis executive, you might not be able to go get a conventional mortgage from a conventional lender anymore. Because if they realize, and you'll have to tell them because you're filling out sworn statements and applications, but when they realize that your income derives from this industry, that alone might be a disqualifier for you. Now, if you're doing fantastically, you might not care. But you need to be aware that it, it, at the beginning, uh, your life will change financially as well. Yeah, uh, and Gary, to your and Dimitri's point, um, you know, especially with banking, you may, it may seem like the more um, like natural first uh, um, ancillary piece to go to because you need to know where you're putting all your money, right? <clears throat> but to what you were saying earlier, Dimitri, you know, we work with a lot of banks, so. Sometimes working backwards, finding, you know, a payment solution that you trust and that you know is compliant and it's a little more easier for you to understand, we can help point you in the right direction for banks. Yep. Well, we, we thank you for that. I mean, I've known Lauren for, for almost a decade now, so you guys have tremendous industry insights. So we appreciate you being uh, social equity mentors. Uh, we really do. Uh, Jeff, um, we're running out of time here. We would like to keep these to two hours. Yes, uh, we do. Everyone will be invited back um, just to host their own panels or to uh, to be part of other panels. Obviously, there's a ton of information. We're never going to get it all out. Um, and so I want to give everybody a chance to, to close, maybe for like a minute or two, talk about themselves, you know, uh, who they are, what their business is. So people can know where to contact them and stuff, et cetera. Is that cool? Yeah, please do. We, we're about eight minutes there. And uh, actually, we were down to the last slide. And the, 
Last slide really is who's who in Arizona. And I think the, the panelists, I look forward to hearing uh, uh, certainly Clark and, and uh, Pam and Caleb and Paul and, and uh, you know, how they can, uh, uh, how they fit in here. But you also notice, uh, Dimitri, once you have a license, we have identified banks. Once you have a license, so you've been one of the awardees, uh, I can guarantee you uh, I can find capital. And uh, not necessarily my own, but it, but making the connection with a good solid business plan and the right partners, um, you'll be able to find, and don't have to go through me, that was just a point, but uh, let's make sure that, that uh, uh, the participants understand how to plug in today's who's who here from the panels. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry, I, I, I was reading the chat, Jeff. Was that so? time to close up? Yes, sir. How's okay. that? You want to say goodbye or at least say, say I'm Jeff, I'm goodbye? I, I just did. I just did. <laughs> Sorry. All right, well, let's go through the group. Um, Zuber Lawler was kind enough to lend us Bruce, uh, a tremendous expert on the international cannabis front. And uh, Bruce, we just want to remind people who you are and, and uh, your availability, how to get a hold of you, what you do, et cetera. Yeah, sure. My uh, uh, my contact info is uh, is right behind me uh, and uh, and also on the, on the Mito website. Um, you know, I do, um, I do consulting on business plans. I do, uh, um, I do a little bit of capital introduction work, um, and, uh, more than happy to engage with, uh, um, social, uh, social equity licensees. Um, so, um, uh, thanks again for having me and, and, uh, um, look forward to being in touch with everybody. Well, well, these are very important deals and, and uh, I imagine a lot of these guys, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they're available for sale. But these licenses should be worth between 10 and $15 million upon issuance. So a lot of crazy stuff is going to happen. And when you get to things at that level, I know that you have the kind of experience to help people sort through it. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, let's go to uh, Gary Smith, one of our ongoing panelists. A couple words. Absolutely. Well, it's my hello to goodbye. So I'm still Gary Smith. I'm still a lawyer. Uh, you can reach me at Guidant Law Firm. My email address is smith at guidant.law, G-U-I-D-A-N-T dot L-A-W. Um, my services are available to anybody in the industry, and my firm can do everything from cradle to grave. We do both transactional and, if it all goes catastrophically wrong, litigation as well. Um, and I'm going to end on a cheap plug for my book because I have a cheap plug for my book. Uh, I have authored... Psychedelic Alex, The Law of Psychedelics, which involves all plant medicines, including cannabis. And I have distilled 10 years of cannabis practice and a whole lot more into this text available on Amazon now. Is that, is that, a, picture, is that a picture book, Larry, or is that all words? It is, all, it is all words. Lots and lots and lots of words. This thing is laden with legal citations and references. Uh, it is intended to be a practitioner's manual and also accessible to literally anybody. I tried to write it at a level that everybody could grasp. I have trouble like texting. That's 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 a lot of writing. I really do appreciate. Well, that. when when I do the spoken book version, I will come read it to you, and I will be there, and the world will be a better place because of it. <laughs> uh, well, everything Gary and I do, we do well together. He's one of those guys that just makes the world a better place. That is true. Uh, I'm like donuts. <laughs> That's great. I actually don't like donuts, so that's... Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Clark, uh, would you like to uh, reintroduce yourself, say goodbye, Sarah? 
Sure, uh, thanks Dimitri. And uh, again, my name is Clark Wu. I'm, I'm a business and litigation attorney with Bianchi and Brandt. We're a full service law firm, you know, catered to the cannabis industry. And we've been with the industry here in Arizona since inception. We're, we're, we can help you with everything from, you know, planning, corporate structuring, uh, you know, developing your business plan, licensing, all the way through to building out your operations, clients, you know, helping you with your deals, transactional work of any nature. And if something goes wrong, litigation. So we're here for you. I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave my contact information in the chat as well. So if anybody would like to reach out, you know, feel free to do so. And I look forward to speaking with some of you. And, and I really do appreciate you guys. Zuber Lawler, uh, Bianchi Brandt, Gary Smith. I hope, you know, each of you guys end up working with a bunch of social equity applicants because you really are really outstanding individuals. Um, Paul, my sidekick, who helps design this whole program and is responsible for, like Jeff, most of what we do. And uh, we really appreciate you, Paul. But just go ahead and, you know, read if you still say goodbye. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate everybody here as well. Um, I'm just kind of hanging out in the background, answering questions in the chat, um, you know, to be kind of the fact checker facilitator here on some of these calls. Um, some of these weeks you'll see me, you know, popping in and having, uh, you know, a full discussion as well. Um, if anybody has any questions, you know, looking for just quick reference information, feel free to call me, email me. Uh, I'm always available. Yeah, and you guys will be seeing Paul and Jeff for weeks to come, and uh, we're just catching our flow. This is a new concept, so we're figuring out how to get it done best. But we're getting plenty of positive feedback about providing information, helping people network, et cetera. So thanks again, Paul, for all your support. Larry, take 30 seconds. You're on mute, Larry. <laughs> First time I did that, darn it. Uh, thank you again for inviting me. This has been a uh, fabulous uh uh, meeting and um, the cannabis industry is so rewarding to so many people, but it's also so easy to fall into a trap and, and get hurt uh, and hurt a lot of other people around you. So the professionals that you heard from today are, are fantastic. And um, from a banking perspective, um, we've really strived to um help people um, not be excluded and software to help bring it all together instead of having to have three, four, five different types of software. Um, I'm going to drop my information and my uh, associates information into the chat. So if anybody would like to follow up um, in banking in any realm, whether it's in cannabis or other areas that you may be having problems with, please let me know. And again, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you, Larry, for joining us. We hope to see you back and check out our module things, uh, our, our module expresses, and where you see a void, let us know and you can fill in there. Uh, all 36 are module sponsors. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, go ahead and uh, reintroduce yourselves and say goodbye and et cetera. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having us. Uh, we're very excited to continue to be a part of this. Um, I know it's a lot of information that we all talked about um, on this uh, last two hours. So that's why we wanted to create the uh, marketing toolkit. The uh, uh, URL is right there up in the corner, also in the chat. We're going to be ongoing adding to this 
Um, we really want to provide as much value as possible. And then obviously our expertise, of course, is on the digital payment side, um, how to remain compliant, what to even ask other people that you're evaluating as digital payment partners. Um, and then I'm, I'm also available um, when you sign in uh, to the toolkit, uh, you can book uh, a meeting with myself um, and we can really just talk about anything that you want. Um, and that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're, we're super pumped to be able to contribute and, and help like educate and, and encourage and all the things and, and um, contribute our insights. And yeah, thank you. Thanks guys. You know what, you guys just created something else today. What we're going to do is that, so we have 700 plus, 800 people signed up specifically for the social equity panels, et cetera. Uh, our database is actually 25,000 people. We get 5,000, 10,000 opens on each email that we send. Um, what we're going to do is any social equity, any, any, any ancillary, any dispensary, any cultivation, anyone who offers something free to the social equity applicants, we're going to send it out um, as part like of a package, like Raul Molina from the Mint. Everybody gets a free uh, uh, pre-roll when pre -roll. they the pre-roll. <laughs> you know, Weed Maps is giving a year worth of free um, uh, products. NCIA a free membership for a year. So we'll put your in thing Thank in there you. first. So if you guys can help me create the graphic for that, we'll make yeah. sure we blast that out. That poor Destiny is overwhelmed behind the scenes. <laughs> Realize that we have two more projects to do now. As well, but, but but when when something is an opportunity, we don't stop. We just do it. We just keep going. That's one of the things about what Nita does. So uh, Caleb, and then I'll let Pam finish up. Caleb, go ahead. Yes. Uh, hello, I'm Caleb Ty, COO of Canna Owners, a boutique a consulting firm that we help throughout all stages of the vertical and for businesses of all sizes. So uh, there really isn't much in business development from the very beginning to exiting, raising money. We, we're involved in all of it. So any assistance that I can provide in both the planning stages um, with resources and pointing you in the right direction, that's what we're here for. So uh, reach out. Um, I put my contact information in the chat. My email has been up uh, behind me the whole time. Had fun with those backgrounds. So uh, thank you again for uh, letting me be a part of this and helping to give back. Yeah. And uh, Clark and Gary, I'm going to put your free one hour consultation in our little email. Uh, just kidding. You guys give a one hour consultation anyway. <laughs> uh, in fairness to the comment, Dimitri, I already offer that. So um, absolutely, yes, to anybody listening, um, I don't charge for an initial consult in, in most circumstances if you're coming from Mita, um, which is not always true if you're not coming from Mita. Well, we'll put that in that email. We'll put we'll include both. Clark, is, are you 15, 30 minutes, an hour? How long is it? <laughs> I think I need to talk to Laura about that. <laughs> <laughs> Clark's race just went up. Congratulations, Clark. <laughs> 700 an hour. And, and by the way, I was yeah. here last week. In fairness, you volunteered, Raul, for the uh, for the donations. Oh, for the free pre-rolls. Yeah. Yes. But I think that's the idea. <laughs> oh, he was all smiles. He loved it. <laughs> so, Pam, uh, you know, you didn't get introduced yourself at the beginning. But you're one of our favorite panelists, and I know you care about people and you always want to help. So please go ahead and reintroduce yourself, say goodbye. Okay, I'll say goodbye. So I'm Pam Donner saying goodbye. I am a partner in Untamed Herbs, which is the dispensary in Payson, Arizona. I'm on a receivership specialist team. We oversee the Green Hills Patient Center in Sholo, Arizona. 
I also am COO. I, I'm a chief operating officer, so I'm pretty black and white and I'd be happy to help along the way as much as I can. Um, I am a COO for other companies that are marijuana or CBD related. But the most fun thing I do is my husband and I own High Point Jewelry. And it's the only cannabis inspired luxury jewelry line in the world. It's beautiful stuff. My husband is the designer and um, it's Valentine's Day. So go treat yourself, highpointjewelry.com. And we're in the Scottsdale Airport. Thanks wow, Dimitri, you do a great job. <laughs> well, thank you. And Pam, the only piece of jewelry that I brought to Columbia is from High Point Jewelry. All right, look at that. That's awesome. That's a beautiful piece. That, that's a beautiful piece. So, uh, I, I, so I'm stuck here and I don't have a machete to dub the all social equity mentors. I'm gonna give Larry, Clark, Bruce, I'm gonna give you guys, everybody else was here last week, I think. I'm gonna give you guys, Pam, we, yeah, you, I'm gonna give you guys symbolic <laughs> but please come back there and you get your official machete. It's my grandfather's machete from the fields of Oaxaca, where some of the best cannabis has been grown historically, and mushrooms, Larry. And uh, so we greatly appreciate your help. Uh, <coughs> that being here today leads to be better and bigger things for all of you. And thank you for your support of Mita. And uh, ha have a nice night. Have a question about psychedelics and the law? You're welcome to submit them. Please send your questions to admin at psychedelicalex.com. Submission of questions is not an assurance that they will be used on the show. Also, please be aware that neither the submission of a question nor a response creates an attorney-client privilege between you and the show's host, nor does an answer constitute legal advice. Information provided is for general purposes only. If you need legal counsel, you should hire competent counsel in your community.